This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. citizens welcome to the fortress of potitude i'm dave michaels i'm brian betts and we are the cape podcasters and this is the show that thinks if you just gave dennis video games instead of letting him play outside he would have probably become a well-adjusted less menacing kid yeah just letting the kid run amok in the in the neighborhood instead of sitting him down in front of a nintendo like every other well-behaved child exactly they say oh go out there get some fresh air go play outside with your friends and then he causes all this trouble and just give him Grand Theft Auto. Problem solved. Exactly. You know what's outside? Shenanigans are outside. That's right. You know what's inside? Star ratings and levels and fake prostitutes and hookers that won't get him in real trouble. Exactly. I'm glad we got this out of the way early. Me too. It had to be said. Because this week we are talking about Dennis the Menace from 1993, directed by famous director Nick Castle. What do you mean famous director? He did The Last Starfighter. I know what I said. And Major Pain. <laughs> yeah, that's the one that blew my mind. Of someone who can give us the cinematic masterpiece that is. <laughs> and then doing Dennis the Menace. Oh, that was really good. He had a little boy named Tiger who didn't have a father, but also sort of did with the Major Pain. And then he had the smoke show lady who took care of the kids and that. That all sounds familiar-ish. And then he broke a man's finger. To major pain him? That's what I've always called it? To make him forget about the real pain? Sure. In his probably Lieutenant Dan legs in war, right? I, I'm just going to smile and nod. And that was like during that time when it was all about like the Goodwill games and going against the rival camp. Like you had heavyweights and you had like oh, yeah, mighty ducks and all that stuff. And they're like, yeah, this is going to be uh, the army kids versus the other kids. Go get them, tiger literally. <laughs> yeah. All of that. You nailed it. Brian, have you ever seen Dennis the Menace before? Yes, but a long, long, long time ago, I remember basically nothing about the movie. Why don't you give me your thoughts? You know, uh, enjoyable. I sat down on a nice Sunday morning before football, watched it, and was like, hey, this is, this is entertainment for my morning coffee. Well, all right. Dave, have you seen this movie before? Long, long ago, and I remember liking it. Remember? Uh-oh. So what do you think of it now, then? I would much rather have my own feces pulled out of me with, like, a little operation tool from the board game than have <laughs> okay. to sit through this again. And even if they touch the sides, it wouldn't be as bad as having to watch this again. Wow. Really? That bad? It's yeah. been a while since we've had this much of a disagreement in a movie. Yes, it's Lord of the Rings. This is my Lord of the Rings stand against you, Brian. This is revenge. Oh, good. Good. I like This is the hill you want to die on. This Dennis is the, the hill menace. I'm going down on. The dirty Christopher Lloyd hill. <laughs> <laughs> I watched this thing with a nice cup of tea, a nice warm blanket on a cold, cold night. And then about a half hour in when I realized nothing had happened yet, I went, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> What is the point of all of this? This movie set me into an existential crisis. It made me question if acts were necessary in order to make film anymore. 
<laughs> yeah, you could still have acts, but they can't be anywhere near where you expect them to be. Exactly. <laughs> the first half of this movie is the first act. <laughs> I would conservatively say the first three quarters of this movie are the first act. <laughs> I think that's probably fair. And then the last quarter of it is just the rest. The rest. <laughs> we just squeezed acts two and three together. Now, I know we say, usually at this point, Brian, we have a lot to say about this movie, probably. There's a lot going to be happening. Let's get into it. With this one, not too worried. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of no discussion on this one. This movie just kind of washes over you. Like, it's yeah. like from here to eternity when they're like laying on the beach doing the makeout in the sand, and the water brushes over them, but instead of water, it's shit, because it's, it's Dennis the Menace. <laughs> it's just Mason Gamble. That's right. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just get into this thing, dive headfirst into the shallow end. Let's dive headfirst into the shit wave. (laughs) Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Oh, this is, Brian, I love you, buddy, (laughs) because I couldn't do this with anyone but you, and whatever happens in this one happens. Thank you? (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Wilson. Walter. That's not how you say it. Oh, Mr. Wilson! That was pretty good, and I hope your neighbors are real concerned right now. They definitely are. (laughs) Walter fucking Matthau. If you stopped here, it's a perfect episode. Just letting you know that. Done. We did it. Arbitrary scale at the end, 10. (laughs) For who? For Walter fucking Matthau. Walter fucking Matthau. (laughs) Mr. Wilson's just a dude trying to enjoy his retirement and his night-blooming mock orchid that he spent 40 years tending to. But there's this neighborhood little shit. Dennis Mitchell. <laughs> Played by Mason Gamble. No middle name, huh? He's, you know what? I kind of want to give him the middle name, but I feel like you're going to fight me on it. I don't know if I will, because I don't know how old this kid is, first of all, in this movie, because I think he's supposed to be five, as they he say. Is. Yeah. But like, my kid's almost five, and I barely let her outside, like unattended, without watching. Different I can't times, imagine man. You're actually right about that. Like, as a 90s kid, I hung out in the woods often. Oh, yeah, at this age, I was definitely just outside all the time, usually in the woods. Maybe that's the mindset I should have gotten into, is put myself in his shoes, where you could just die at any moment. I don't know whose shoes you're meant to be in in this movie, and we'll probably get there. We might get there. That's fair. Mason fucking Gamble plays Dennis Mitchell. You know what? When I heard it, no, no middle name. I'm saying it out loud. <laughs> it doesn't work. I don't know. I don't know who else could have pulled this off. Certainly not Macaulay Culkin. Why? He could have done the face with the hands on the cheeks. That's all he's got is the face. That's it. And hanging out with Michael Jackson and not talking about it as an adult. It's weird. It is weird. Dennis has this natural five-year-old curiosity that ends in misery for anyone unfortunate enough to be around him. It's a very good way to put it. One summer morning, Mr. Wilson pretends to be asleep to avoid Dennis because he hasn't heard of locks. I'm like thinking about the things that are about to happen. (laughs) And yeah, I watched it. Yeah. But then when you say the words again, this little boy just walks into Mr. Wilson's home, goes up to Mr. Wilson's bedroom. And Mr. Wilson is so busy setting up this elaborate scene instead of just, I don't know, not letting the five-year-old open a door. There's an easy way to solve all that's about to happen. It's Mr. Wilson going, kid, get the fuck out of here. Yup. But he doesn't want to be seen as a grump, Dave. He's Walter Matthau. He's got resting grump face. He's literally one of the grumpy old men. That's right. Mr. Wilson is pretending to be sick. And Dennis is like, oh no, 
Mr. Wilson is sick because he's, he's pretty good at pretending. Is he, though? No. No, he's the worst fake sleeper I've ever seen. I agree with you there because he's still making his Walter Matthau faces. And he also has Dennis shining a flashlight up his nostrils into his <laughs> mouth. And Walter Matthau's eyes are wide open. Yep. And I haven't been a five-year-old in a long time, but I don't remember having that tunnel vision then to not see those eyeballs opening. You'd have to ask my mom. I probably did. (laughs) (laughs) But because Dennis thinks Mr. Wilson is sick, he decides to shoot an aspirin into his mouth with a slingshot. As you do. And Dave, I have our first, what I suspect is a caped IMD trivia fact. Oh, why do you suspect that? He knowingly asks. (laughs) Because... This is actually on IMDb. The caped podcasters need an aspirin shot into their mouths via slingshot after reviewing this film. I told you I'm taking over, baby. You name dropped us. I sure did on Dennis the Menace. All 32 IMDb trivia facts when I started. And now there's like 35, maybe 36. I don't know what's there. I don't know. 35 sounds right. Okay. It was very easy to go through. Unlike other movies. Name dropped. Taken over. I love it. And just because I did that, I'll sprinkle in a little actual IMDb trivia fact. After being in this movie, kids would call Walter Matthau Mr. Wilson for the rest of his life. I bet he could not wait to die. (laughs) I don't know. Mr. Wilson's pretty great. It is pretty great, but if a kid is just nonstop yelling that at you day after day, and it's just random children who don't know you from all the comedic gold you did in the past. That's true. I need that sweet embrace of death. And I feel like the longer it goes, the worse it is, because now it's like teenagers who are still going, hey, Mr. Wilson. Hey, Mr. Wilson. It's like, get, get a life, kid. I, I've done other movies. I said it like Tone Loke. That wasn't even a teenager. <laughs> that was, <laughs> hey, Mr. Wilson. <laughs> Dennis's parents, Henry and Alice, played by Robert Stanton and Leah fucking Thompson. Yep, she's here. They learn of the incident, and they confiscate his slingshot, but they can't immediately discipline him any further because they have to leave for work. They can't discipline him, period. Period. No, they're they're soft. They're not even soft. These are some of the worst movie parents imaginable, especially when your kid is Dennis the Menace. He's got menace in his name. Shouldn't name your kid Dennis the Menace Mitchell. Don't give him that middle name if you don't want him to be trouble. He's going to live up to it. Should have been Dennis Sweet Boy Mitchell. Then he'd be like, helping old ladies cross the street or whatever. Yeah, or he'd just be mad that his name didn't rhyme. That's true. I didn't think of that. You're right. So they bring Dennis over to the home of his classmate, Margaret, along with his best friend, Joey. And they don't like Margaret because, quote, she's a lunatic, she's mean, she's ugly, and she doesn't share. Yep, kid stuff. Kid stuff. But together, the three of them go and they fix up in an abandoned tree fort in the woods. As you do. Absolutely. As yeah, that, that checked out for me. Meanwhile, Mr. Wilson's garden is chosen to host the annual Flora Ganza. They don't call it a Ganza. It's a Ganza. That's right. You know, like a Bonanza. That's what they say. That night after Mr. Wilson stops Dennis from cheating at a game of hide and seek, a train rolls through town and a drifter jumps off. It's Switchblade Sam, played by Christopher fucking Lloyd. And he looks like a combination of Chris Elliott and the Ginger Skull. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) He's got like in his Bert and Ernie sweater on, like he just killed them both, took their clothes and sewed them together. (laughs) That sweater's nuts that he's wearing. That is. Oh, wow. He does look like he just murdered all of Sesame Street. (laughs) 
And what's worse is you juxtapose that with the scene before, as you said, of Mr. Wilson sitting on the porch, just having a nice, lovely night with his wife, Martha, and just blowing up kids' spots in hide-and-go-seek. Yeah. He's like, hey, when I played hide-and-seek, we had integrity. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> I like that his wife immediately calls him out like, weren't you bad at hiding because you were a fat kid? Got him! Ouch. <laughs> yeah. All right, Martha. Why'd you say that name? <laughs> I don't know how I didn't see that coming. <laughs> Martha Wilson is a saint, though. She really is. She is lovely. Joan Plowright, just absolutely fantastic. Joan fucking Plowright, she earned it. Yeah, see, I just wanted you to say one of them. I want her to be my grandma. She'd be a great grandma. No, just a regular one. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> that is the stupidest joke to make me laugh that hard. Yep. That is the menace has put you in the uh, mindset of a five-year-old Brian. And it's working. So Switchblade Sam remarks that this town is so quaint and adorable, its citizens probably don't even lock their doors. Then that explains how Dennis got in so That's easily. Right. So Dennis and Switchblade Sam right now are on the same level. They're in cahoots. Of whatever treachery they're going to bestow upon this quaint little town. The next day, while working on the treehouse, Switchblade Sam wanders by and steals Margaret's baby doll because robbers gotta be robbing, even if it makes absolutely no sense. That's right. He's got this big knapsack, and he takes this baby doll that Margaret made Joey like kiss its butt earlier in the yeah. longest scene ever. It was a long scene for that payoff. And then he just walks away, and then Margaret accuses the boys of stealing her doll. It's like, you were with them. Come on. Yeah, well, she's not, like, a detective or anything. She's a five-year-old girl. But she's got the biggest glasses in the world. She should see extra good to see that the boys never moved. I feel like the biggest glasses in the world is evidence that she can't see so good. So are you suggesting that people who have little glasses see better than people with giganto glasses? Because right now you're putting a lot of hipsters on blast for poor eyesight. Well, it's possible. I mean, think about it. If you're going to have those big, thick Coke bottle rims. These aren't gotta... Coke bottle glasses. These are just sort of like dinner plates that are just stretched out over her eyes. The they're, better to see like with, my dear. Wide. They're not necessarily thick. Right, but I feel like when it comes to thick lenses, you can't get very small on account of you need the real estate for the, the rims, the, the frame. I don't know what I'm arguing anymore. I'm unsure what I'm arguing. <laughs> All I know is her glasses are enormous. They're absolutely gigantic, but it's appropriate for 1993, I think. I think you're right. I think my next-door neighbor had the same glasses, but like an adult size, which well, is Well, these, these are like adult size. She's going to like grow with them into whatever drug problem she's going to have in high school. Is this the part of the show where we theorize about Margaret Wade's drug use in high school? Well, have you heard her talk? I have. I have heard her talk. She's a bully, first of all. She is absolutely a bully, and- she realistically only has like three ways that her life is going to pan out. And it's going to be drug abuse in high school, driving a Subaru Outback, <laughs> or becoming a writer and putting her head in an oven at some point. It's a bleak future any way you look at it, really. It is. Especially that Subaru Outback option. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Right. If you want to drive an Outback, you're free to. It's a great world. I do. Do you know how parents always have, like, weird things that they get angry about? Like, oh, blah, this thing, blah, blah, blah. Being a parent? Yes. My dad's thing was always Subaru drivers. Whenever something in traffic happened, he'd be like, ah, oh, Subaru. That's where he went with it. 
He was always like a typical Subaru. I don't I don't know to this day what it what means. What does that mean? He sounds like he's like the Tourette's dad and R.I.P. Bob Saget, but Bob Saget. <laughs> oh, um, I would not equate my father to Bob Saget. No. No, I equated your dad to Tourette's man. Tourette's man. Not to Bob Saget. Well, no, it's not like any car. It was just, it was specifically just Subarus that Subaru. wronged him. <laughs> you motherfucking hatchback. You're not even putting anything back there. Yep. <laughs> I swear at the dealership, they must make you take a test to see if you're an asshole or not before they let you buy one. <laughs> that is a direct quote. <laughs> Those kids definitely didn't get any stars in school. That's why they need them on their steering wheel logos. <laughs> So yeah, my my dad had a vendetta against Subaru drivers. That's so specific, isn't it? The weird things that parents do. That is a weird one. Also, as a Subaru driver, fuck your dad. <laughs> hey, as the son of a person who hates Subaru drivers, fuck you and your Subaru. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> this is a war I didn't think we were ever gonna have, but here this we are. Is, this is ingrained in me from childhood. <laughs> Let's imagine that this is the way the show comes to an end. Is you discover you're <laughs> the that you were just raised, just indoctrinated to just hate super drivers. Everybody knows hate is learned. That's right. And now it's coming out. And it turns out I'm car makest. That's exactly what it is. You're going to have a flag on your car that says, let's go Subaru. And you're going to giggle with your dad about it <laughs> or whatever. It? To get a dad? To make sure that everyone gets it. Not a political show, but not a the fuck up. <laughs> gonna have to get one of those little Calvin Klein piss on stickers for the Subaru logo. <laughs> and you're just driving around in your Chevy. I'm just like, what is his problem? <laughs> Why is he so mad at Subarus? I usually see like Yankees logos or sports teams, not car manufacturers. What happened to you? If it is cars, usually Chevy or Ford. It's going to be a custom sticker to get a Subaru one. Right. You're going to have to go hunting. And I'm sure Etsy has it because Etsy's oh, got everything. Sure. Etsy's got every piss on sticker you can imagine. <laughs> it turns out it's your dad making them. Just <laughs> pressing them in his basement. <laughs> this is weird. This came from an address I'm familiar with. This last name is the same as mine. Son, it's dad. I love you. Fuck Subaru. <laughs> I knew it was you, boy. I knew it was you! I learned it from you. <laughs> so Dennis goes home to get some paint for the treehouse. <laughs> right? Because we were talking about the movie, I think. That's right. In the garage, he finds a slingshot, but he spills the paint all over the garage floor. But because, you know, he's a good kid, he tries to clean it up with a shop vac. Then he gets curious about that in-out switch because five-year-olds can't not press all of the buttons. Right. And the vacuum shoots a glob of paint and wood splinters into the air, and it lands directly on Mr. Wilson's grill, where he's cooking up some chicken. He is, and he's got, like, the nice charcoal setup out there. He's got his chicken. He looks very proud of what he's about to do. Yeah. He covers it up, walks away as the paint, like, lands on it, and he covers it up, not noticing it. But then the entire grill lights on fire. Yeah. And he can't be more than 20 feet away. No, he's barely out of frame. He's got to notice this. This is irresponsible cooking, especially when you're doing it practically in your garage. <laughs> Maybe he got distracted by the thought of his 40-year plant in the backyard. That's got to be check true. On it. <laughs> he loves that plant so much. So much. Well, you spend that much time raising something, you're going to at least like it, I hope. 
I mean, I guess if you raise something for 40 years, you, you claim it as like your child, but it's a plant, and that's weird. We'll get there. We sure will. When Mr. Wilson tastes the paint and the wood in his dinner, he suspects Dennis is involved because of course he is. Because reasons. And yeah, you got a kid named Dennis the Menace living next door. <laughs> you know he's involved. The Mitchells leave Dennis with a teenage babysitter named Polly, who's played by Natasha Lyon. I was very surprised to see her in this movie. Yeah, that was jarring. It's like, Orange is the new Dennis the Menace? That's right. She invites over her boyfriend, Mickey, but we know it's Buzz. We absolutely do. And now we know who Buzz's girlfriend is. Yes, we finally got there. It is Devin Ratray. He struggles to read a children's book to Dennis while he takes a bath. Not the, I, the man is not taking a bath. The child's taking a bath. He's babysitting the child. Right. We need to make sure that we get that on record. That the, <laughs> Devin Ratray is not bathing in front of a child as he struggles to read whatever book he's reading in the shower. That'd be weird. That would be a very different movie. You just have Buzz in the bathtub trying to read a book. I have another actual MDB trivia fact. Yeah. In the comics and the cartoon, Dennis hates taking baths. But in the movie, he seems to enjoy them. He takes so many baths. He's the cleanest kid in the world. I mean, probably because he's the dirtiest kid in the world. He's got to get cleaned so often. Oh, yeah. Children. That's right. They're gross. <laughs> They're filthy. I got two and a third on the way. They're so disgusting. All the time. You don't even let yours outside. Not anymore. <laughs> they got dirty out there. They can't go out there anymore. It's Grand Theft Auto from now on. Unless we put them on the leash. We recently got uh, the runner. Like one of those things <laughs> yeah. that goes out that you would let the dog out on, but my dog doesn't like it. She's a good girl. She comes back all the time. So we just start putting the kids on there, and they can run out and back all they want. Oh, that's phenomenal. Yeah. That's just smart. That's what that is. Thank you so much. They're not getting into traffic, because they're limited where they can go. You should really spring for the invisible fence and get them the collars, though. That's actually a great idea. I should take all of this on Shark Tank. Robert likes all things kid-related, because he's a dad, if you haven't heard recently on whatever the newest episode is his kid has to be five at this point i'm a new dad i'm robert i'm a new dad give me that child thing to, robert, to rear it's them season 12 how are you still a new dad <laughs> oh this keeps your kid in the yard so it doesn't go into traffic it's just a dog leash sweet million dollars here you go after the babysitters put him to bed dennis sneaks out and ding dog ditches him interrupting their makeout sesh he does it to his own house, which does take a certain amount of chutzpah. It really does. I mean, this kid's got something. He's got something. Maybe he's a menace because he doesn't ever sleep. I get pretty grumpy. I don't know if I'd become a menace. That's fair. But his decision-making is terrible. And that has to be affected by a lack of sleep, right? Surely. We'll get there. Not the first time he's going to not sleep. That's true. Fed up with her makeout sesh, keep getting interrupted. Mickey tapes a thumbtack to the doorbell. Meanwhile, the suspicious Mr. Wilson, against his wife Martha's wishes, investigates the garage to find evidence of Dennis messing with paint. He just can't stop thinking about that dinner. He can't. It got ruined. But also Martha. I love how she calls him out and says, like, what are you doing? He says, I know that Dennis, the menace is behind this. I'm going to go investigate that Mitchell's garage. She's like, okay, you're old. Just do whatever you want. Just come home. That's all I ask. Just come yeah, home. Just don't die in their garage. That'd be great if you just don't die in their garage real suspiciously. <laughs> I have a real hard time explaining that to the babysitter. Say, she's an accomplice now. She knows where he is That's and true. what he's doing. 
Mr. Wilson obviously shoots himself in the nuts with a golf ball instead of figuring out the paint situation. Well, that's because he, like a five-year-old, is looking at this shop vac, and he hits the suck button. Yep. The in button, and it sucks up a golf ball, but then it also cranes its neck up, the hose of the vacuum, yeah, and it aims does right like, at his ass. Like that whole- And then he's uh, just like, oh, snake O-U-T, what does that mean? And he flicks it, and the golf ball just shoots and hits him, and that man drops. Well, like I said, five-year-olds can't not touch all the buttons. But he's a, a very old man, of the grumpier variety. Really? It's just an assembly of several five-year-olds into one body. Oh, God, if that made up Walter Matthau, it's amazing. <laughs> Walter Matthau is just like five five-year-olds stacked in a trench coat. That's incredible. One with just a really unfortunate face <laughs> for a five-year-old. Hey, get that kid with the jack face. We'll put him on top. <laughs> he looks like an old man. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> Do you think Jack Lemon knew the entire time they worked together? <laughs> oh, for sure. No. How come no, the, right I have head. to be with him? I'm I'm a proper old man being grumpy. He's just a lot of five year olds with a jack head. Why is this working? <laughs> I'd be curious to talk about Jack one day. It's directed by Francis Ford Coppola, and that's insane to me, always. That is absolutely wild, actually. One of those where they say, oh, a full spectrum of films in this filmmaker's filmography. It's like you got The Godfather <laughs> and Jack. It's a hell of a range. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. <laughs> so Mr. Wilson, hoping to confront the Mitchells, goes to the front door, rings the doorbell, pricks his finger with the tack. Of course, the babysitters think that this is whoever's been pranking them all night. They hit him with the water and the flour and the shenanigans. They stopped their makeout in order to prank this man. It's a, it's a re-pranking, really. A prank back. That's true. Pranking the pranksters. It's like, you know, goes back to being regular. I think that's how it works. Something like that. I love Martha's reaction when he shows back up home. She's covered in flour. It's great. It is great. And Martha's the greatest. She is. So we're about, like, 40 minutes into this movie already, and I still don't know what the plot is. Uh, Dennis is a menace. Fair enough. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this kid's going around annoying a lot of people. He's doing a good job. Mostly one person. Me, right? Mr. Or Wilson. Mr. Wilson? Are we the it same? Could be, it could be you, too. You're also a frump. <laughs> I literally am. <laughs> one of my old bosses used to call me young Walter Matthau, and I took it as a compliment, and that's a problem. I can't tell if that's a real story or not. It's very it's, real. It's plausible, so. <laughs> <laughs> when you're not sure if Dave's doing a bit or not, hey. <laughs> you can tell. You've done this long enough. You can tell. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm, I'm going with real story. You real were actually story. called young Walter Matthau. Yes, I was for quite some time, too. <laughs> At least he had the decency to call you a young version and not that's true walter Matthau. that's like a bad news bears version right there and that's okay with me yeah great movie if you haven't watched it recently great movie been a long time the next morning dennis brings mr wilson an apology card which is very sweet of him to do super sweet but he's still in bed so martha lets him in to leave it by his whisker cutters but once dennis is in that bathroom he can't help himself no he can't he instantly has to start opening everything and touching everything. Of course. And he plays with Mr. Wilson's dentures, accidentally knocking out the two front teeth, which I have questions about. And the 
condition of these dentures to begin with if just putting them together makes the teeth fall out. But That's true, but also they were like being dry stored. Like, That's... don't you put dentures in like a liquid or whatever it is? And these things were just sitting there in like his shaving soap holder. <laughs> well, you know, 1995. I, I don't know. 93. That wasn't even the right year. Doesn't even matter. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. You're right. The two front teeth fall out. Dennis goes back home, opens his own personal little safe, and gets out chiclets, and then presumably breaks back into the Wilson's house. I don't know. Martha might have just let him back up. It's like, oh, I forgot to do something with the card. I forgot to sign the card. Well, then, for as sweet as Martha is, she's a clown. We're falling for that. <laughs> I mean, everybody in this movie's a clown. That's a good point. But yeah, he replaces the front teeth with chiclets just before Mr. Wilson has to have his picture taken for the local newspaper, you know, for the, the flower-rama. But how does Mr. Wilson not notice he's got chiclets in there? He's got that minty freshness. It's impossible for him to not notice, but... You know, it's it's a kid's movie. Also true, I guess. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if it is a kid's movie. We'll get there. Okay. For sure we'll get there. We'll get there. Because this movie's about to get real dark. Switchblade Sam commits a string of robberies throughout the town, and he's noticed by Chief Bennett, who politely tells him to get the fuck out. It's the right move because this is just the dirtiest Christopher Lloyd ever, smoking a cigarette watching children play at a playground. Absolutely. Yeah, it's um disturbing. It is very disturbing. It makes the, the bad man from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang just look like a saint. And he's got a literal car called a kid catcher. It makes his character from Roger Rabbit look, I don't know, kind. That's right. <laughs> oh, he has kind eyes. You know, you know the eyes. You've seen the movie. And I talked like this! <laughs> Classic. Go listen to on Patreon. Henry and Alice both have to leave on business trips, and they're having trouble finding someone willing to babysit their devil child. And they demonstrate zero salesmanship when it comes to getting someone to watch this child. It's hard to have a pitch when you can't get through your name without being hung up on. That's a good point, actually. But maybe they should have kind of worked on, like, a script or talking points or an elevator pitch, like right up front. <laughs> you gotta have an elevator pitch. But like they would legitimately have a better chance if they called up asking about their car's warranty that's about to expire <laughs> than trying to find a babysitter for this kid. So they exhaust all of their options. They go through uh, the whole montage of them just calling people and getting hung up on by every babysitter in town. And all they're left with are the Wilsons. How about that? Martha agrees to let him stay with her and. George Wilson. I can't believe we've gone this long in the movie without me saying George. Well, who cares? Who gives a damn? His name's Mr. Wilson. That's right. And at this point in the movie, I have another caped IMDb trivia fact. I don't know what got approved again, so no, this is fun. surprise me. <laughs> nothing happens in the first 45 minutes of this movie, but it could be argued that nothing happens in the first 96 minutes of this movie either. It's true. It's on IMDb. It's a trivia fact now. It might as well be in the movie itself. That's right. It's Stone Cold Truth. Absolutely. to the Internet Movie Database. Exactly. Mr. Wilson spends the evening, I don't know, looking at these old gold coins he has, basically just to set up that he has a safe with a really easy combination. And that Dennis can't sit still for more than five seconds because he's, like, staring out the window. Because he's And five. it's raining. Yeah. But then he starts questioning Mr. Wilson about his safe. I love that. Mr. Wilson doesn't give a shit at all. He's just like, I don't want to have this conversation with you. Go away, kid. And Dennis just keeps asking questions. And eventually he's like, hey, what's the combination to your safe? 
and he figures it out. He's like, oh, it's your address, isn't it? Because it's a number you have to be able to remember. Well, then Mr. Wilson deserves it's about to come to him, if that's the case. I completely agree with that. And we'll get there. At bath time, Dennis spills bathwater all over the floor. Then he squirts all of Mr. Wilson's nasal spray all over the mirror. So he replaces the liquid with mouthwash. But then the mouthwash is empty, so he's got to pour toilet cleaner into that bottle. And, you know, it's a, it's a whole thing. Right. He's trying to kill this old man. <laughs> I think he's just trying to cover his tracks. He is. But court of law is not going to see it that way. <laughs> That's true. Mrs. Wilson recites wink and blink and a nod to Dennis, while Mr. Wilson predictably has a very bad time in the bathroom. He walks in, he slips. We get to see Walter Matthau do a split, but not really. It's just but, prosthetic but legs. Not really. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> One and of then, his legs is definitely going through the floor. Oh, 100%. And then he goes through sucking what was it, the plaque cleaner or whatever it is up his nose? Yep. And then he has to dip his head into the sink that is now full of water all of a sudden? Uh, that's how sinks work. Yeah, it all happens. Comedy. <laughs> there you have it. Martha tells Mr. Wilson about the poem and her motherly moment, but Mr. Wilson is a total dick about it. He's like, yeah, whatever. I'd be a great fireman. I'm going to bed. Shut up. Yeah, fuck this guy. Yeah, it's not a good look, Mr. Wilson. No, and Martha is being so honest and earnest with him. and. He has to come back. Oh, when a good fireman rolls over the complete other direction, Martha's just like, I'm going to make myself some tea and also go literally fuck myself because that's what you <laughs> think of me, George. George. While this is going on, Dennis is sneaking out because the kid doesn't sleep. Doesn't sleep ever. He's sneaking out to his own house so he can bring his dog Ruff inside the Wilson's house. Dog's name is Ruff. Yep. It's perfect. Mr. Wilson goes down to apologize for upsetting Martha, mistaking the dog for his wife. For way too long. For so, like, an obscene amount of time. Like, he's, like, scratching her head. but really Which is weird to start also, that he cuts his the wife's dog. head. Yeah, it's pretty weird. And, and then, then he, he kisses the dog? He does the full mouth-to-mouth -mouth kiss? French and at that to it. point, he does, oh, Walter Matthau spoke French to you. Hoo-hoo! Yeah, that dog was into it. Oh, yeah. Rough was feeling it not just his name but also he likes it yeah exactly and he kisses the dog you know sometimes <laughs> sometimes it happens also not when he realized it was a dog nope it wasn't until after he was done kissing the dog and martha was in the doorway going like what the fuck are you doing and it was like <laughs> who did i kiss uh that dog got away with one he sure did pulled, <laughs> pulled a fast one on mr wilson oh yeah the next day Dennis and Mr. Wilson are in the attic looking for garden lanterns, and Dennis is being Dennis, and that leads to Mr. Wilson slipping on mothballs and nearly getting crushed by a canoe. It's a scene. It happens. Yep, just like every other scene in this movie. It just <laughs> happens. Alice's flight is delayed by a thunderstorm, forcing Dennis to stay with the Wilsons one more night. It just so happens that it's the night of the Floraganza. The Floraganza. Sorry, I forgot they say it dumb. That's right. <laughs> you got to translate to dumb. While Martha is understanding, Mr. Wilson is pretty pissed off about it, and he warns Dennis to be on his best behavior. Dennis, for the most part, stays out of the guest's way, mostly because he doesn't want to get his cheeks pinched. Doesn't care for cheek pinchers. No, I get that. But naturally, he gets drawn to a button. <laughs> of course he does. A button which opens the garage door, which of course knocks over the entire dessert table, possibly ruining the evening. But Mr. Wilson is like, yeah, I'm pissed off. I'm sending you inside. But the night continues. We're going to watch this damn flower open if it kills me. It's kind of douchey that he's gathered all these people here to just stare at a flower. Sit here and watch my 40-year project come to fruition. 
And nobody has a good seat. Not even him. For a flower that needs moonlight to bloom, it's like underneath shade. I don't know what he's doing here. I have no clue. And how does he know, like, this is the moon night that's going to, like, make it bloom? Like, there's been plenty of full moon nights throughout this thing's life in 40 years. What makes this one so special? Now it's been the full 40, and this is the, the full moon, so it's time, I guess. But how do you know? Like, the is the flower just going to be like, George! <laughs> Feed, Feed me! me. <laughs> Give me that moonlight! I feel like if you spend 40 years gardening one thing... You do the research to find out what day it's going to bloom. But he has to, like, go to libraries and stuff and read books. It's not like he has the internet. Al Gore hasn't been born yet. Well, I think he's been born. He just hasn't invented the internet yet. I know what I said. (laughs) Actually, fun fact, Al Gore wasn't born. He was built. That's right. (laughs) In a lab. I'm pretty sure Al Gore was born, like, when that nice intern was in the Oval Office, Bill Clinton, and then Al Gore was on her jacket, and oh, it was all said and done. That, right? There you go. Is that yeah. it? I think that checks out. The timeline's a line. It took Clinton juice and wool, and that birthed Al Gore. Yeah, but the, the side effect was that it also birthed the man bear pig. That's true. So. <laughs> uh, weird story of how we actually got the internet. <laughs> So while everybody's outside waiting for the flower to bloom, Switchblade Sam, the most ballsy thief of all time, goes into this house that has, I don't know, 40 people in the backyard and decides to rob it. Can you blame him, though? He's probably just going, oh, Marty, they're all staring at the flower. I guess, yeah, that checks out. If I see 40 people staring at a flower, even I'd be tempted to rob someone. Yeah, you know what? These people deserve to lose everything right now. (laughs) (laughs) he goes into mr wilson's house he steals his gold coins and dennis hears him as he's leaving and he goes down he finds the safe open the coins missing he immediately rushes outside and yells to mr wilson and he distracts everyone at the party from seeing the bloom of the flower which lasts about 10 seconds right and then it immediately dies and mr wilson is pissed he is irate but dave before we get to that I did some light research. On this flower? On this flower. I'm going to go to the bathroom while you read whatever you have to. I couldn't care any less about a flower right now. Oh, it is it is based on an actual flower. I bet it is. I bet that John Hughes, who wrote this movie, was just like, I heard some crazy shit about a flower, and I'm going to make that my MacGuffin? Yeah. Well, for let, Dennis the Menace? <laughs> let me tell you about this flower. <laughs> okay. The Titan Arum, or corpse flower... Blooms only a few times in its life, and each time, it smells disgusting. There's a quote from a 2015 article on MTV News. Oh my god. And it gets better. That Kurt Loder read it? <laughs> in 2015, when one bloomed at the Denver Botanic Gardens, thousands visited to see and smell the flower. The first few people in line were handed souvenir barf bags. Because it smells that bad. The smell of the flower has been described in the following ways. Oh, jeez. All right. Paint a picture here. A combination of Limburger cheese and gym socks. All right. Old cabbage. All right. Maybe a couple of dead mice. That's more realistic for everybody to understand. A chicken in a trash bag inside a metal garbage can left outside for a sunny few days. (laughs) So specific. A decaying corpse. And finally, Italian sausage. 
every single one of those is more different than the last. It's super different. Like, how do you figure that chicken one out? I don't know. But at the same time, I guess chicken in a trash bag inside a metal garbage can left outside for a sunny few days smells the same as Italian sausage. That's right, I guess. Fun fact, that's how they make Italian sausage. Why would anybody want to go see this flower and more so, why would anyone want to go smell it? If they find out it smells bad, it's like, <laughs> it smelled so bad. Oh, man. Smell the bad flower. I went and I smelled the worst flower ever. You guys should be so jealous. I'll never understand people. Like, I understand there's like, oh, I'm a base diver. I jump off cliffs for excitement. Yeah, I dive to the bottom of the ocean without any scuba gear. I'm a <laughs> badass. What do you do? I smell flowers. I smell rare flowers that smell like rotting corpses. It's my thing. It's just what I like to do. Whenever I can't smell a rotting corpse and I find a flower, I just got to smell it. <laughs> they don't mention the smell of this flower in the movie. No, they kind of brush right over that. And I would imagine all these old people would just rush it and just start sniffing like crazy. Oh, it's the worst thing I've ever smelt. I can die happy now. This smells like my Herbert. That one morning <laughs> when I woke up and he oh, didn't. No. <laughs> It was right after we finished watching Bonanza. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I can't believe you managed to bring that back. <laughs> Furious about his 40-year investment being for naught, Mr. Wilson tells Dennis, a five-year-old, exactly what he thinks of him. Yeah, it's blunt, man. Yeah, it is. Whew. And chronic. It is. It is blunt man and chronic. I don't know how chronic fits into that at all. It doesn't need to in this situation. It makes no. as much sense this whole movie. <laughs> but he lets this five-year-old have it. Which is, you know, not a good look, again, for George Wilson. No, it's very, very bad, in fact. Two for two and being a dick. And also, he's got this 40-year-old flower, but how long has he been collecting coins for? He got told he got robbed, and he's upset about the corpse flower, and he hasn't even gone inside to inspect what's been taken. Exactly. Well, maybe he didn't have the coins for 40 years, so he doesn't care. That's his benchmark, you know? 40 years. 40 years. I only had those gold coins for 38. I don't give a shit about them. <laughs> Naturally, after being told what a terrible, miserable little shit he is, Dennis runs away into the woods. Yeah, Dennis actually cries. Yeah. And you feel it a little bit. You're like, oh, this kid's just being a kid. And a shitty one, yeah, but a kid. And he was trying to, you know, protect your investment with your gold coins. And you told him that he's a miserable little shit. Yep. So he's running through the woods, and he eventually gets caught by Switchblade Sam, because of course. Uh, yeah, there's three characters in this movie. Might as well get caught by the third one. Yeah, and now, guess what? We have a semblance of a plot. Do we? Barely, but we do. It kind of turns into like an SNL sketch more than anything. Like this comes out of nowhere and they're like, oh, here we go. This oh. is the, the plot oh. that's been building this whole time. We're right? an hour into the sketch and now you're going to bring in Pete Davidson. All right, let's see where this goes. <laughs> Bold choice. Henry and Alice arrive home to learn that Dennis has disappeared, prompting the entire town to search for him, including the guilt-ridden Mr. Wilson. Well, hold on one second here because- these are the world's worst parents ever. Yes. They arrive home, but they see a police car in front of the Wilsons. So Alice bursts into the front door, sees the cop talking to Martha, and goes, oh, 
where's Dennis? It's like, there could be a lot of other reasons why this cop is here. You go right to your kid, the menace, causing all the problems and not being there. I don't know that she was thinking he caused them. She was just a concerned parent that saw a cop in front of her babysitter's house. For all she knows, George is dead, and a cop is there to confirm it or whatever. Sure. Like she instantly just goes right to, where's Dennis? I mean, I feel like as a as a parent, isn't that your first thought when you see a police car in front of your... You just want to make sure your kid's okay. You just want to know where they are. My first thought as a parent going into my neighbor's home where there's a police car would be like, is everyone okay? You okay. care for the greater good around, and then you kind of narrow it down. You're assuming that these two competent adults are taking care of your sweet baby boy. Right. And that your sweet baby boy is upstairs all nuzzled in after you read him a nice uh, poem, Zod Nod and Ursa or whatever you called it. <laughs> Zod Nod and Ursa, that's the one. But she just gets right to Dennis. Like, it's the least human thing imaginable here, instead of saying, is everyone okay? I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I feel like you're stretching on this one. I don't, man. I just, as a human being on this earth, that would be my concern. Some people are a little more neurotic and spiral and want to make sure that their child is safe. She doesn't give a shit about her kid the whole rest of this movie. Why should she care now? I wouldn't say she doesn't give a shit about him. She's just bad at parenting him. Also true. Switchblade Sam is preparing to leave town with all the goods he's gathered. And he decides he's going to use Dennis as a hostage, just in case the cops show up. And it doesn't take long for Dennis to get on Sam's nerves. No, and then Dennis just doubles down and triples down and quadruples down. There's a lot of downing happening. Oh, yes. Dennis tells Switchblade Sam that he's tying him up all wrong, and he demonstrates the proper way to tie someone up. I actually really like this because you have... Sam, who's tying this giant thick rope around Dennis's legs, and it's like, I'm just going to slip out of it. You're doing it all wrong. <laughs> and then Switchblade Sam's like, well, then why don't you show me how it's done, kid? <laughs> he wasn't using enough gigawatts. That's right. <laughs> he only used, I don't know, one. It's like like three three quarters of a gigawatt. That's not nearly enough to do it. Oh, I forgot to move the decimal point, Marty. So Switchblade Sam says, show me how to do it. And Dennis just ties up this bad man. Yeah, he's like, this is how it's done. See, can't move, can you? And then to make it even harder, you got to attach the handcuffs to the whole situation. So now you really can't move. So Dennis now has the bad man with ropes around his legs and handcuffs going through them. And the bad man just took it all. Yeah, He's like, all right, well, thanks for the lesson, kid. Now get me out of this so I can tie you back up. Yeah, go get me the key. It's on my bag that's over there. And Dennis goes and gets the key. But then he accidentally drops it in a big vat of beans. As of you course. do. I suspect that this is a caped IMDb trivia fact. Oh, that one got approved too, huh? Christopher, <laughs> Christopher Lloyd refused to eat the beans in the film as he was too full from chewing all the scenery whenever he was on screen. Yeah, completely true. He's gobbling it all up. Nailed it. Leaning in so hard. <laughs> I feel like this is the kind of movie that calls for that. I agree. If you're going to be stuck on it, you might as well have a ball. Exactly. So now that Switchblade Sam is tied up and the key is missing and he's been fed all of the beans and has presumably swallowed the key, Dennis proceeds to unintentionally just bludgeon and burn him several times. After he feeds this entire vat of beans. <laughs> it is definitely like the biggest can of beans I've ever seen. Yeah, he just feeds it all to Switchblade Sam and Sam's like, oh, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. And 
he eats the entire thing and there's no key in there, which means he swallowed the key. And how do you not know that? How do you exactly be a big scoop of beans to swallow at once without noticing there's a key in it? Exactly. But yeah, he's getting lit on fire and hit on the head a lot. And there's that repeating bit of how he jumps into the canal and keeps landing on whatever is in there. I have no idea what the thing in, in the water is, but he does keep landing on it. So Switchblade Sam is getting his ass kicked. Yep. And Dennis keeps trying to help him. And that's not what you want. It's not what you want. But eventually Dennis does discover that Mr. Wilson's stolen coins are in Sam's belongings. And he realizes that Switchblade Sam is a robber. Right. This is after he almost hung him. Hanged him? With the rope? How he made like old pulleys? Yeah, he made like a pulley and helped him out of the water off of the door or whatever is in the... I don't know. There's room on there for Jack. That's all I'm saying. There is plenty of room for Jack. There would not have been an issue. (laughs) Chris Lloyd and Jack just floating away. They both lived. (laughs) It's been 85 years. Draw me like one of your French girls, Marty. (laughs) Sam attempts to stab Dennis with his namesake switchblade, but the rope he's still tied up in is caught by a passing train because of the pulley system, and he's dragged up to the bridge and then dropped when the rope snaps and... You know, that's going to knock anybody out, especially Switchblade Sam. Doesn't the knife go in his butt? And then the knife lands in his butt. Because it's comedy. Yes. And Christopher Lloyd reacts because comedy told him to. Because comedy said, you know what you have to do in this scene? And he's like, roger that. Stop chewing the scenery for a second, Christopher. We can't get shots of you chewing. (laughs) You need to react like a knife just went into your butt because comedy, Christopher. You sound upset about the knife in the butt. It's an easy joke. I understand where it fits into this movie. <laughs> full of easy <laughs> jokes. But I'm so far into this thing, and I just want something. Like, you get to the end, you're like, there has to be something redeeming happening. And then the knife goes in the butt, and you're just like, nope, that didn't do it. That should have done it, but nah, it didn't do it. You're just a grumpy old man. I really am. I am just <laughs> five-year-olds stacked on top of each other, and... Now I look like this with my Jack face. (laughs) The next morning, Dennis returns home with the captured, tied-up Switchblade Sam to the relief of Mr. Wilson and the entire neighborhood, but mostly Mr. Wilson for some reason. His parents are like, oh, good, Dennis is home, but Mr. Wilson is like, thank God you're okay. Well, let's talk about this for a second. The night before, I want to go back because we went through all the shenanigans that Dennis was doing with the bad man. Yeah. But the whole town was out with flashlights. just. Calling out his name, checking everywhere. Right. But then the morning comes, and no one is looking for this kid anymore. (laughs) Everybody's given up. Well, Mr. Wilson fell asleep on his porch, at least. He's the only one trying, really. I guess so. You can count that. But yeah, he is kind of the only one trying. I'll give you that, because he gets up, and he goes to get his paper, and he's used to hearing Dennis with his bike going down the street, and he's like listening for it, just like, ah, damn, the kid. The kid, the kid, the kid I yelled at. Right. And I all of a sudden care. And then he sees Dennis come around the corner. He holds out his arms, gives him a hug. And you want to know what Dennis's parents were doing the entire time that he was missing? What? Getting ready for the morning, I guess, because Leah Thompson's very made up and ready to go. <laughs> and Daddy looks very well rested. <laughs> Probably because they finally got sleep for the first time in five years with their little shitty kid not wandering around causing trouble in their house. <laughs> I don't know how they find the time to wrestle on Sunday mornings. <laughs> That's why this kid's always roaming the streets. It's true. Switchblade Sam is arrested. Dennis and Mr. Wilson make amends. 
Alice mentions that she could bring Dennis to work at her office now because they have a daycare center all of a sudden. But Mr. Wilson insists that he and Martha would be happy to watch him, just as Dennis accidentally flings a flaming marshmallow onto Mr. Wilson's forehead. Right. And this comes directly after Alice is talking about, oh, I got a new role at work. It's like, it's only about work. And you have the kid who is there making s'mores so far away from the adults. In front of an open flame. The kid who just went missing the whole entire night before and came back with a murderer man or whatever (laughs) Christopher Lloyd is. Like, keep an eye on the fucking kid. Maybe that's why this movie annoyed me so much. Because as a parent, it's like, just try a little bit. I feel like in 1993, I got left in front of open campfires with no supervision more often than not. And we're tougher for it now. Exactly. This next generation, the with generation their Dave between dads. our parents and us. There's a generation in between that's just you know canceling books and whatnot <laughs> that are against cancel culture, but they don't want the books that say all the ideas that they don't agree with. Not a political podcast. No, it's not. But it's not <laughs> wrong. But of course. And I can't believe I'm going to say this. That should be Dennis the Menace from 1993. It should be. I agree with you. But. During the credits, Dennis meets Alice's terrible, condescending, child-hating co-worker, Andrea, and he manages to get her stuck in the copy machine. And then he just runs away while this lady is just, I don't know, her neckerchief or whatever got stuck in whatever part of the copy machine is out in the open. I don't know either, but uh, maybe it's also like a part scanner. He He just hits one button and then runs out of the room, and she gets sucked into it. Well, it's because he asked, can I push the button? And she said... Fuck you. She said, you don't know which button to push. You're a child. And he said, I don't know what button to push. It's this big one right here. And she gets sucked in. Yeah. But the part of the scene that really got to me was when Leah Thompson peeks her head in and she sees that it is Dennis with this coworker that she absolutely hates. Yeah. And she quietly sneaks off because she knows how shitty her kid is. It's like she sent a mercenary of death to this woman. Like she knew exactly what she was doing. Oh, I'm just going to let this play out because my kid's horrible and something bad will happen to this woman. It would have been so good if like, she looked at the woman. She's like, oh, Andrea, goodbye. And Andrea's like, don't you mean see you later? She's like, no, no. goodbye. Forever and, then she and ever. <laughs> like, that was exactly what's happening. But that is Dennis the Menace from 1993, directed by uh, Nick fucking Castle. There, are you happy? No, no, that's that's not what I wanted at all. It sounded like that's what you wanted. Oh, God, no, I would never do that. Well, then he's a famous director, Nick Castle. Not for this movie, maybe Major Payne. <laughs> well, Major Payne should be somewhere in the Library of Congress at this point. I don't understand how it's not. <laughs> this movie happens. There is no plot. There are no acts. John Hughes must have needed a paycheck or something. I don't know. We got to do something about this Culkin kid, we gotta, we got, we need something to compete. This is so painful to watch that I, I think a... I would rather have kidney stones that <laughs> are like gravel sized. Gravel sized. That sounds impossibly painful. Yeah, like I just want someone to just pour gravel down my gullet and just say pass this, and I'll be like, do I have to watch Dennis the Menace? Said, nope, not if you pass this, and I'll say gladly. And me, with IBS, I'll just start downing cups of coffee (laughs) and, like, eating Taco Bell. It's like, this will be no problem. This won't take long at all. But I won't have to watch Dennis the Menace. I'm concerned for you. You should be. I hated this movie so goddamn Because I really enjoyed this, actually. (laughs) Like, I was in a good mood all day long because of this movie. Oh, man. This thing hurt. 
interesting that we had two extremely different <laughs> views. Very, very different. Have we ever been this far apart on a movie? I don't know if we have. I mean, it's been a, it's been a long time if we have. Do you want to find out what everyone else thought of this thing? Yeah. Rotten Tomatoes 100, fire away. I'm intrigued. Uh, oh, God. 68. Yeah, 27. <laughs> oh, Audience so score is 83. That's not true, Brian. It's 38. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, I was like, that's high. Roger Ebert saw this, and he gave it two and a half out of four stars. My man. He said... There is a theory among students of television that the fatal flaw in the Dennis the Menace TV series was that the Dennis character was old enough to know better. That is not the case with the new feature film Dennis the Menace, in which case the little monster and the actor who plays him are about seven. Dennis's tender years allow him the luxury of innocence, and even Mr. Wilson, his long-suffering next-door neighbor, seems to understand that Dennis is not malevolent, just very, very bad at decision-making. Yeah. He's a naive little kid. He goes on to say, the good qualities of the movie are undermined, unfortunately, by the Switchblade Sam character, who <laughs> is dirty, threatening, and scary. Of course he's no match for Dennis in scenes inspired by O. Henry's The Ransom of Red Chief, of course, because that's what I pull out of my ass all the time too, Roger. <laughs> Clearly. And he says, but that doesn't explain why writer-producer John Hughes put him into the movie in the first place. Wasn't there a way to contrive 90 minutes of adventures for Dennis without leaning so heavily on a character who seems menacing to children? The movie is classified PG for comedic mischief. Maybe it should have been PG-13 in view of the way younger viewers may interpret a dangerous guy hanging around the neighborhood and picking on kids. There's a lot to like in Dennis the Menace, but Switchblade Sam prevents me from recommending it. I like that that's the line for Roger Ebert. It's, there's a dirty man with a knife. Yeah, that's not for kids, right? PG-13. Make, make it, make it PG-13. These kids shouldn't be seeing dirty people with knives. No, and at that point, if you get a PG-13, throw a fuck in there. You got one now. You might as well <laughs> you lean might in. as well. Where would you put the fuck in this movie? Right at the end, I would put the fuck in the movie, because you have the kid who cheats at hide-and-go-seek with Dennis, the cross-eyed kid. Yep. And how you have Christopher Lloyd sneak up on him while he's sitting there eating an apple or whatever, and Christopher Lloyd eats the apple with a switchblade knife yeah. while badass. Yeah. But then at the end of the movie, you get that one weird cutaway to the kid with the cross eyes. Have him throw up a middle finger as Chris <laughs> Rollins and the police car going away. It's I mean, that, perfect. Would be, that would be ideal, actually. <laughs> Our friends on Letterboxd had an annoying amount to say about this movie. <laughs> Fascinating. From July 22nd, 2020, you know what? I do support sending children to adult prisons. <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't the only one. From September 27th, 2018, leave Walter Matthau alone, you annoying little shit. <laughs> that was how I felt for most of the movie, actually. From November 10th, 2021, just fucking die, Dennis. Wow, that's aggressive. Yeah, they did not like this kid. From June 19th, 2020. Matthau seems like he's having a blast making a variety of funny faces, and Lloyd is the grossest villain in family movie history. Even a shot of his stomach is dirty, sweaty, and greasy. <laughs> like, and that's true, because we got a close-up on that bad boy. Sure did. And the last one I have is from July 10th, 2021. I am thankful all of this was caught on film to help bolster Mr. Wilson's eventual court case. <laughs> 
that would be my favorite episode of Judge Judy. Oh, without a <laughs> doubt, you have Mr. Wilson going head-to-head against Judy? Yes, please. Absolutely. How about we give this thing a, I can't believe I'm going to say super stuff score, but that, I want. let's do that. Let's, let's do that. We're going to start with story and motivation. Minus one. No. There is none. There is There's lack story. of anything. Usually whenever we watch something that's bad, we'll say that at least it has acts and structure and plot or something to drive it along. This doesn't have any of that. This drifter comes into town and steals Mr. Wilson's treasure and Dennis gets it back for him. Eventually he does. I mean, there's no timeline on plot. Just because it's the plot of a 20-minute episode of TV stretched to 96 minutes doesn't mean it's not a plot. Catwoman has more of a plot. Spawn has more of a plot. Potentially, yeah. So I think like a, like a zero. What do we give those? We gave Spawn a zero, and we gave Catwoman a negative 0.5. I will go with a negative 0.25. This is hurting me to write. But you're not disagreeing. Because I think, I think you're wrong, but I think it's a fair compromise. <laughs> I'm sorry that zero was too high for you. (laughs) It was. Also, it feels like we did spawn dirty in that area, but I'm not going to go watch it again to prove Dennis the Menace wrong or right. I don't know. I feel like, yeah, spawn probably deserved way less than zero. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Hero. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but he saved the day. He sure did. But he didn't know that the day even needed saving. He just stumbled across it. Just going about his menacery. He was just casually menacing until he discovered that there was a wrongdoer. And he's like, hey, look at that. You're already tied up. What do you want to go with, Brian? I feel like a dirty .25. I will allow it. (laughs) I cannot believe that. (laughs) Villains. Who? Switchblade Sam. Eventually. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that doesn't change the fact that he's a villain. He's got Switchblade in his name. That's a good point, actually. I'll go 0.25 because this Christopher Lloyd is very memorable. I did not forget it. Yeah, no. As soon as he came on screen, I was like, oh, that's where these nightmares came from. <laughs> I haven't slept in <laughs> years, just like Dennis. That's why I always remember Christopher Lloyd as slimy. Yeah, that belly, man. It's gross. Parents. They're alive. That's an easy zero. Female characters. You got Margaret. You got Alice Mitchell. But more importantly, most importantly, you got Martha. Martha fucking Wilson. I'm going to go 0.25 for Martha and call it a day. Why so low? Because Alice Mitchell is a terrible parent and Margaret is there to have her doll stolen in one scene and then not come back again until she comes. She comes back in like a a split second scene where she says, oh, the love of my life is gone forever because Dennis is missing. Because comedy. It's very cute. Poked its finger at this movie again. They were like, hey, remember when we had that little girl in the first part of the movie? We should bring her back. So there's like connective tissue between the beginning and end of the movie, maybe. Martha 0.25 bump. 0.25 for the Martha bump. Setting. It's any town USA? Yeah. I'd say. And I actually think they did a really good job showing that this is small town, safe town. Nothing can go wrong. Exactly. Doors are unlocked. Menacing is... This, that they, much more The exposed. worst thing that could happen in this town is there, there's a five-year-old menace. Yeah. And everyone knows him, too, because even when Switchblade Sam gets arrested, the copy goes, oh, looks like you met our, our Dennis no, or whatever. You had, to, you had to deal with the fury of Dennis Mitchell. I kind of want to go one. 
It's a good little town. It's well done. It is. I like the way they establish it, too, from the train where you see that just idyllic town in the distance. And then the train comes back later, too. It works. Yeah. One for setting. I'm plumb surprised. <laughs> style and tone. It's a kid's movie, I guess, if that's a style and tone. I would call it a family movie before I called it a kid's movie. Okay. Because I think, depending on how old you are and what your life situation is when watching this, you're going to have a different takeaway. Oh, without a doubt. Unlike traditional kids' movies that are very much geared toward kids and might have like a joke or two for adults, this one I feel like is mostly targeted towards adults, but it's kid-friendly. That's fair. So where are you leaning? I don't know, like a point five. Yeah, all right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Don't I sound enthusiastic about fine, it? Fine, <laughs> I guess. I can't credit or discredit it, so yeah. have at it. Music. It's our boy. He's back. It's Jerry fucking Goldsmith. He's the king of just making music to go in movies when no one else will. Yeah, apparently he reused parts of Total Recall for Switchblade Sam's theme, which I found just entertaining. I actually like that theme, too, that he did for Switchblade Sam, because it's like a march type thing, and it yeah. sounds real nefarious. I like it. Yeah, and there's just so many just musical goof-em-ups and, and slapstick stuff. It was, I think it was appropriate. 0. 0.25. <laughs> 0. 0.5. Fine. Again. The Goldsmith bump. Is there one? <laughs> I don't know. I'll give the man a 0. 0.25, I guess. Okay. One-liners. Mr. Wilson! Not just Mr. Wilson. Hey, Mr. Wilson. Oh, then I don't even know it. Zero. Bullshit, you don't <laughs> know it. No, that's iconic. I will go 0.25 for that and that alone. 0.25 for hey, Mr. Wilson. What about, what about the cross-eyed kid? Yep, that has become memed to death. Yeah, but that's a meme, and it's just the face of it. It yeah, doesn't no, really have anything no. involved with the it. The yup is part of it. Is it really? Yeah. Okay, look at you. The kids these days. With yeah. The yeps. I'm up in my meme culture. <laughs> uh, yeah, still .25. I'm cool with it. <laughs> still .25. It has a meme. It has a one-liner and a half. Impact on the genre. I think it got two direct-to-DVD, or direct-to-video sequels. Yeah, but I think more importantly is you had movies like Garfield come after it. That's true. More and comic Marmaduke. strip based. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, this movie did really, really well in the box office. It's a $35 million movie. Somehow, I don't know where they put it all. I had the same reaction when I saw the budget on this. I was like, where? How? But it made $117 million, so this thing is a hit. Against all odds, yeah. I'm going to go 0. .5. Okay. Because I... Don't think it did a ton for the comic genre of I agree. films, but I think it helped get the strip up there a little bit easier. Yeah, it definitely didn't do anything to close the door on comic strip-based movies. Right, right. 0.5 is appropriate, I think. That's going to give Dennis the Menace a total score of 3.25. Are you happy with that? It feels appropriate, I think. Okay, as long as you're happy, I'm happy, Brian. Happy oh, Valentine's happy Day. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> That was so sweet. I guess now that we got this thing out of the way, <laughs> what are we talking about next week? Well, that's where I have a twist for you, Dave, because we're talking about an M. Night Shyamalan movie. We're talking about Glass. Have you seen it? I've never seen Glass. Intentionally been avoiding it because of this. I'm in the same boat, and I actually cannot wait. I'm actually very excited to watch this. You know, we've, we've done Unbreakable, we've done Split, and now it's time to finish off that one-word trilogy. That's what they're all calling it. 
the the one word Shyamalan twist trilogy. Everyone knows what you're talking about. When you say, "Oh, the one word trilogy," I tried to put twist in a trilogy, and it it just it dissolved. Twisterly. The exact. It's hard to do. Trilogy. The twist. There it is. The twil- Sure. Well, the trilogy. It just sounds like we're now five year old Dennis. <laughs> I saw the trilogy. <laughs> Did you guys see the trilogy? We're done with Dennis. He's in the past now. Don't do that. All right. No more Dennis ever again. Next week. <laughs> Glass. Oh, that should have been the twist. I should have been like, Dennis the Menace 2. Oh, God. You just spring that on me. And that's how drinking problems start, I think. <laughs> right? I'll put you at ease. It's not even on the Ebert list. So until then, thank you for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Join us on Patreon this month for Blues Brothers. We're on a mission from God. Damn right we are. Email us your questions and comments to katepodcasters at gmail.com. Follow us on social media at Kate Podcasters, especially on Facebook, where we put up a post on recording days asking for your questions and comments. And we've got some. First question comes from Reed Peter. He asks, if you had to recast this film with modern day actors, who would you pick? I'd definitely go Billy Bob as Mr. Wilson. Also, this is me stepping in. It's William Robert. Show some respect. Thank you. <laughs> William Robert Thornton, damn it. Solid pick. I mean, he's grumpy. He's very grumpy. But he's not Clint Eastwood grumpy. Oh, Clint Eastwood, very old Mr. Wilson. And can you imagine Clint Eastwood scolding Dennis the Menace, like telling him how much of a piece of shit he is on the porch (laughs) after the flower thing? He wouldn't get the remorse at the end, though. He would go like nose to nose with him. Listen here, you little punk. Are you feeling lucky? Well, are you, Dennis? (laughs) That's my pick. I don't know if he can grow the mustache, though. Maybe like a Tom Selleck. He doesn't need a real mustache. Just put a fake one on, like a false one. He'll look goofy as all hell, but he'll fit right with this movie, right? That's fair. That's totally fair. Clint Eastwood with a Groucho Marx mustache. <laughs> Grease paint painted across. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I've got it. It's got to be Eugene Levy. Oh, that's very good. But I can't see him getting like angry and grumpy. He just would be kind of sarcastic and just, grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> Passive aggressive and angry. Dennis, do you think that's a good idea, Dennis? Hmm? Is that a good one, <laughs> Dennis? You sure about that, Dennis? Is that <laughs> Drink every time Eugene Levy says Dennis. <laughs> and, you know, for Dennis himself, probably one of the WandaVision kids or, or that kid from Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit could be great, but... Oh, no, I mean the one with the glasses. That's not where I saw this going. <laughs> when you said the Jojo Rabbit kid. <laughs> Not the main kid, the fun kid. That's very, very fair. You wonder who I'm going to pick? Because I want some Oscar bait in this new Dennis the Menace that we're creating. Of course. Timothy Chalamet. He's way too old to I play know. an eight-year-old. But he has that baby face, and it's Oscar bait. I said that already. I you know what? with that. It's like the teenage years of Dennis the Menace. <laughs> and then you know, throw in like a Walton Goggins, a Switchblade Salmon. I think we've got it. Sold. Sold all over. This is the most perfect film that's ever been made. Or Peter Stormare. All right. You made it better. I don't know how you did that. I don't know. I somehow out-goggined the Goggins. In typical us form, we made a better movie. We did it. Jeff Miners, he asks, why is it in the box art Walter Matthau looks like he would have played a pretty good Mario? Because he definitely would have. (laughs) We absolutely would have. Walter Matthau as Mario is something I never knew I wanted. And Jack Lemmon as Luigi. Mario. Of course. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Phil Hudson Hawkins, he said, man, everyone was trying to recapture that Home Alone magic in the early 90s. 
Yeah, did you see how much money that thing pulled in? Of course they were. <laughs> For sure. And Derek Ives, he said, all I remember about this movie is being scared of Christopher Lloyd and something about beans. And that Mr. Wilson was kind of a dick. Likely rightfully so. Yeah, that all checks out. I mean, to an extent, once you start messing with Martha, you've gone too far. I completely agree. Even though Walter Matthau is a firefighter, I would pay to see it. As much That's of a dick true. thing as it was. Almost as much as I'd pay to see him as Mario. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Everyone, thank you for your questions. Brian, you got anything else? That's it for me. Fantastic. We'll see you guys next week for Glass. Same pod time. Same pod Subaru. Thank you.